Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Playback Media production. Guess all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that sadly isn't due £500,000 if Rangers get promoted. This week on Heart and Hand, maybe the beginning of something? Welcome to Heart and Hand, my name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by our regular guest, Mr Scott Vandenacker. Greetings, 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 greetings. What's, ha- what's happening in the world of a, a frustrated Dutch poet, Scott? Um, not a lot. Well, actually quite a lot, but probably not a lot of interest to the listeners. Never has been before, but it's never stopped us. Well, that's very true. I have joined a punk band. Is that an April Fool's or have you actually joined a punk band? I've actually joined a punk band. Yeah, it's too late for April Fool's now. It's, it's afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, it's afternoon. I also was in the... How's this for a small world? I was in the dentist, okay? Mm-hmm. And I started reading, flicking through The Spectator, okay? And one of the travel articles was by a guy and I recognised the name. And he used to be in a music list, you know, online music forum that I was in. Uh-huh. He then did his own fanzine, which was brilliant, right? A really glossy, fantastic... Came a CD, it really, really good, ran a few years. It was a bit like uncut sort of thing. He then left to become an author. It turns out he's now a really well known author, which I didn't know. Downloaded his first book from Kindle, and it's brilliant. So there you go. I have to give you credit, Scott, because see, in the history of Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, mm-hmm. there have been some dull intros, but I reckon that one easily sails into the top three. Well, yeah, I mean, you asked me what had been happening, I told you nothing, and you said it wasn't to stop me. No, but it's like when you say to someone, how are you? The answer you expect and indeed demand is, fine. Okay, I don't, let's, I, let's I don't care, I was just being polite. Well, let's I'm, go back and try it. Let's go back no, and try it. No, no, it's too late now. It's too late. I've had to sit through this, and if I've got to sit through it, the listeners have got to sit through it. 
Well, in that case, nothing much, mate. Yeah, thank you. See, uh, five years, five years, and we've been friends for coming up on 15, and you still haven't learned that you are only there to give me an opportunity to breathe before I start talking again. I, I was... Right, oh. enough. Anyway, anyway, football. Yeah. Uh, this weekend... Mm-hmm. So Rangers uh, take on Cowden Beef now. Cowden Beef uh, have had a bit of an up and down time of it against the the sort of leading pack in the. Uh, well, I was going to say the SPFL Division Two, but I suppose not that one. What is it? Championship, yeah. SPFL um, Championship Division, yeah. Yeah, the, what, the the league we're in, the Rangers Division, and uh, they had lost, of course, ten nil famously to Hearts, but then had recovered somewhat the next week when they played us to draw nil nil, which was a bit of a you know. Fair play to the defence on that turnaround. So we played them at the weekend uh, after, of course, a really decent performance and good result at Hibs the week before and came out 4-1 winners. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, signs of progress under Stuart McCall? I think so. Um, I think the thing that everybody picked up on was when Cowdenbeath scored, under the previous coaching and sort of management regime, there's not a hope in hell would have gone on to win the game. No, there isn't. That's correct. In fact, we'd have folded like a deck of cards. So that was different. Also different was the ball rarely moved above waist height. People wanted on the ball. There was players like who'd had solid seasons, but nothing much. See Darren McGregor. He was back to wanting on the ball again, mm. making overlapping runs, scored a good goal. It was just... Before when we got a draw or we're getting held or it was t- tight and cagey, generally it's because we were shit and perhaps about to actually lose. In fact, we were unlucky not to be ahead already. 1-1 flattered Cowden Beef. And the fact the lads went on to rattle out and our three goals, that was actually par for the course, the way the game was going. And that's what's good to see. Um, it wasn't a fluke. We weren't lucky to win in the end. We didn't just wait till they got tired. We'd actually started on the front foot, played well, and 4-1 was probably an accurate reflection of the game. And that was really good to see. It wasn't like, oh shit, we're holding on. Mm. It was, we deserve to win this. Let's go on and show them. Let's go and reflect what actually happened the players that we spring in the step some of them had a bit of pride about what they were doing they yeah. wanted it on the ball correct and yes you know different I want to focus on a few things that you said there that there was a lot to talk about in terms of football last week we did all our pent up um, jizz stories to release onto the listeners so this week uh, I've got some pent up football stuff and uh, you made a number of interesting points there later. Yeah, yeah, basically for the people who only tune in for the jizz, leave it 10 minutes, come back, and uh, there'll be a lot more of it. But, yeah, the first noticeable thing was, as you say, the ball was on the deck a lot more than it was in the air. Now, I think the team selection tells you that that's what the manager wants to do because he had Clark and Miller up front, neither of whom are going to compete in the air against defenders who generally at this level, the thing they're most competent in is their ability to go and attack the ball. Now, that's not to say in the old days when we had that pairing up front, we wouldn't have tried that, but uh, still. The ball was kept in the deck, and what was very, very noticeable was Cammy Bell continually played it out from the back. All the time, it was rolled out to a defender. Uh, not always the same defender, because I don't think any of the four of them are fantastic on the ball. Maybe Lee Wallace is the best, but uh, he was generally marked, because the other team know this. But uh, it was rolled out and it was attempted to be played through. And it didn't always succeed because, let's be honest, we don't have fantastic footballing players at the moment. But um, we were trying to build from the back. The second thing 
that was clear is that he changed the side from last week. He didn't just go well three five two worked, therefore three five two must always work, you know, the alley syllogism. Mm-hmm. He put Templeton in the side and Templeton had one of you know, he's a frustrating player, but he, he did keep making things happen and again he didn't hide, he kept getting on the ball and uh, he was involved in, in a lot of the good stuff that we did. And yeah, I mean we absolutely battered them. Um got in at half time, we'd had the pose, the keeper had made three really good stops including two identical ones from successive corners and the fans didn't boo I mean there was applause of you know this was quite entertaining we could see what they're trying to do second half we got the goal again couldn't get that at killer second they got a goal back disaster by Billy Almosny and we'll come to him in a minute but they got the sleeves rolled up manager put on another attacker and very much deserved to, to go on and win the game and it was entertaining and it was fun and it was enjoyable and it looked more, much more fun for the players because the ball was in the deck they were being encouraged to try stuff the crowd weren't getting on their back even at, at one each I mean they were getting on a specific player's back at one each but they deserved that win and it just was a much more fun place to be it was a much better atmosphere you enjoyed the game it wasn't a chore and they looked fit Scott see the last 10 minutes they looked fit because you know they went and won the game and the turnaround in three weeks under Stuart McCall who I don't think is the second coming of Leo Beanhacker I think he's a competent coach who knows what he's doing and it shows you how few of the basics were actually being done that he's come in and just basically did simple things like he's handing out diet sheets he's talking about tactics he's changing tactics for individual matches he's making players watch videos all these stuff that you think are par for the course he's doing and we're seeing an immediate benefit well I think it this will probably be for another pod maybe but we do have to look at what the hell was the last management team doing seriously one earth as my dad actually said to me like with three years right and Stuart McCall's made a difference in three weeks yeah it is it's too big a, a topic really for us to, to do but what the hell were they doing yeah that might be a summer special uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. what the hell were you doing summer special and, and, and there's the title yes. yeah it's, it's, it writes itself doesn't it just a, a sort of um, just a cathartic scream into the abyss of wah uh, that, that we could do for, for 40 minutes but it was it was really decent it was really engaging don't get carried away it's cow and beef cow and beef with all due respect to them aren't very good they got beat 10-0 once this season that doesn't happen to sides that are, are packed full of, of good players even on a really bad day but as you say, we we are kind of baby steps. It's faltering progress, but it's still progress. And to back up what you were saying earlier, did you see the small interview? I think it was online, but with the brilliantly named Ryan Cinnamon. No, but he does have a great name. He's one of our youth players. I yeah, think. he'll bring a touch of spice to the team. He will. Um, um, I think that was a terrible bun. Oh, sorry, pun you made there. <laughs> hey! And he was saying that training's better, and he picked up on two things. One, he has... The under 90, the sort of youth players who might be around, you know, the fringes of the main squad, maybe on the bench, they train with the first team now. So they're picking up what the first team are doing. They're invited along to that training. And secondly, he said it's much more tactical. And not only is it tactical as a squad, he said Stuart McCall's been taking players aside and talking them through their role within it. And he was saying it's refreshing, it's a complete change, and all the lads are enjoying it. Again, that's good for Stuart McCall. Again, it reflects really, really badly on what was being done yeah, yeah you're absolutely correct and I think that the the impact he's had on certain players 
it's really, really noticeable that he has clearly got the trust of certain players. You would expect expected someone like Nicky Law, but you know, Templeton played better. Clark worked very hard. Shields, Shields in particular, has gone from being a complete waste of a jersey to being all right. Now, let's not kid ourselves on. He's he's kind of raised his game to to passable, and again in a in a lower division than than what he was signed from. But it is still progress. I think the the thing I enjoyed most about the match was at no point apart from two moments in the game did I want to kill any of the players and that's progress Scott you know to to get down from homicidal to just plain annoyed uh, I I would have considered progress but there were two incidents Um, the first one was Bilal Mojny's you know ridiculous lapse in concentration and the second one was the obligatory Lee McCulloch, ouch, I've hurt myself moment, which he decided to do in the 81st minute at one each when we were chasing the game. Uh, and it actually took a couple of the Rangers players to run over it and go, you're wasting our time if you're injured, go off the park. And he got up and he done his, his stagger. And I wasn't alone in this. And, you know, criticising the Rangers players, especially when I've... I've, I've I have a weird relationship with Lee McCulloch. I've really liked and really disliked him over his whole time at Ibrox, but at the moment, he's just going through his Lee McCulloch act and it really is wearing fucking thin. Yeah, I think Lee Lee McCulloch is a player who, he stayed when, when others left, he took the captaincy, but I'm not sure sometimes that people don't mix sentiment with the reality of what they're watching. And sometimes he's infu- the, the three-touch free kick, the leaping about as if injured when he's not really. Yeah. And the the other minor things, the more tactical things, like how deep we have to play to accommodate him, mm. which, for example, was brilliantly catered for Easter Road with the sweeper, and everybody was twenty yards further forward. Just the things. I'm not sure he benefits the team as much as people say. It was his gravitas. He's been there a long time. He's played hundreds of games. I don't know. Sometimes if that's not weighed by the actual impact that he has. Mojni is the guy whose highest level before this was Southend United mm. and there he was so hated that he had to travel back from one away game remember on his own yeah. on the train because he wouldn't let him on the bus yeah. I don't know how much better he's going to get I think that is Bela Mojni decent te- tactical, uh, technical player he can score some goals he's got a sweeping sweet sort of foot but he'll always go to sleep yeah. he always his marker he can't train that out of him it's not like right Bela you're 27 you've been, you've been playing football in the UK now for what seven years in total and I know it's come as a shock to you, but let's go through it again. I, I don't. I think this is kind of it. Yeah. If we go up a level to the SPL, I don't know if Mojny. I don't think he's he's at that level. I no, don't I, I don't think so either. I think he's not a guy who can play at a club where the expectations are so high because he always has a, a disaster in him. And there are certain footballers who have almost been marked out, you know, by God as a child that says, "When you make a mistake, it will be a goal." You know, there are other players who who can get away with it, but there are certain players, if they make an error, it's a goal, and he's one of them. But uh, overall, it was was decent. Vukic came off the bench, scored two great goals. Um, Lovely interchange of play with with Lee Wallace, who's really looked back to something approximate the Lee Wallace that we we all grow to love uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, Great goal, and then followed it up with a fourth. What I thought was interesting about the subs were they were made at good times, Vukic came on and made an impact, which is what you're looking for from a sub, but McCall said something I thought really interesting and, and I really agreed with it. He said that if he's not going with Boyd or Daly as a starter, he doesn't need both of them on the bench yeah. to explain leaving 
Boyd at the 18 and Daly when he'd came on as a sub in a previous match uh, had made an impact which is true in the two each game he had came on and made an impact so he went with him in the bench and he also went with young Ryan Hardy and then when he was chasing the game he put on young Ryan Hardy um, and, and that was so refreshing because it wasn't we're 4-1 up go on and have five minutes just to run about so I can say I played a youth player it was we're chasing the game go on and help us win it so there was yep. obviously that level of belief there and I think that's really important because as a club we have sickened our young players over the last few years I think so many of them have hit a glass ceiling and it didn't seem to matter what the guys up above them were, were performing like they weren't going to get a chance and of course it reached the zenith with the Charlie Telfer scenario of course I mean if they're not going to play that's fine some of them might never make it but the only way you can tell if they're making the Rangers is by playing them and evaluating them you cannot get rid of youth players who have played five minutes for the first team ever you simply have no idea I mean you and I know we've watched enough football over the years that some some players sink and some players swim some players you throw them in and they, they can't handle it they've got a mentality and some players will never make it but you cannot tell until they've played I also think what's interesting about the substitutions is to take but one example it's uh, Jose Mourinho mm-hmm. and he always says that his team is 14 that's his team and the starting 11 might be starting 11 but the 14 are all important mm-hmm. the subs will they've got a huge part to play and the subs are he takes it really really seriously when they come on what they do what the role is and the idea for somebody like Mourinho that you bring one of your subs on maybe a full back for a full back and then you wait till the 90th minute to put the auto on just to give them a, a, a win bonus yeah. that's a Scottish thing it's completely alien to the top coaches all the top coaches have a team of 14 and the starting 11 will not be the, the 11 that finishes depending on how the game goes it's exactly the way it should be and it's not an amazing well, what you've said and I think what the listeners will pick up from from what we're saying today is that none of this is innovative none of this is going to make the pages of the the blizzard I don't want to go back to no to I think we should see a little clearer um, but um, none of, it's it's innovative to us and all Rangers fans are stunned by this in fact I don't want to damn Stuart McCall with faint praise, but he's actually doing what is common practice. Yeah, he's doing what a manager should do. Exactly, and that's just exposing what wasn't done before. Using your substitutes as part of the team isn't that amazing. It just is for us, sadly. Yeah. See if I can go back to something Elder Bears uh, will pick up on. 30 years ago, I remember at Aberdeen, when Alex Ferguson was there, they had a player called John Hewitt. Mm-hmm. And John Hewitt scored a shitload of goals for Aberdeen coming off the bench. And Alex Ferguson said at the time, and he said in his book, uh, he took him aside and he said, look, just to tell you, I don't think you're a starter because for some reason you don't have the legs, you you can't get into a game, you're easily marked out. But when you come on for the last half an hour, you're dynamite and you're always going to have that opportunity here. But just know that you are a sub. I I don't see you as a first-teamer. I see you as a sub, not somebody who's there to change the game if somebody gets injured, somebody who will always come on after 60 minutes, Mm. no matter how the team is doing, because you are excellent in that space. Of course, John Hewitt famously scored the the winning goal for them in Gothenburg. And he did much the same with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer where it was quite clear that Solskjaer's first team opportunities were very much limited because he saw the sub 
as a part of the side, not just a backup, not just someone who's there if someone gets injured, someone who had an active part to play in the pre-match tactical, this is what I intend us to do. And as you say, it's not revolutionary. There's an idea that's been in Scottish football for for at least 30 years since I was watching, you know. And it, it was just absolutely... You know, terrific to see him go right now. We'll, we'll turn to this and we'll do this, and and have the bottle to see John Daly sitting on the bench and a kid and go. It's not going to work for you today because we're playing it on the deck and that's how we're going to get a goal. I'm going to put the kid on because he's quick. Yep. And it was it was really good to see, and I I think in terms of young players coming through that. You're right, they're not all going to make it. And I'm not one of these guys who is all for just throw youth at, just do it all the time. You know, it becomes almost like an obsession. Just play young players, play young players. Some of them won't make it and you need to make that decision beforehand. Some of them you think will make it and they get the side and it turns out that they won't. But there is literally no excuse not to put them in when the guys who you are picking are not playing well. And we've seen it this season with Andy Murdoch who's come into the side. And Andy Murdoch came into the side at a bad time and has looked far, far better in that role than Ian Black is. Uh, I enjoy watching Murdoch. He had another excellent game. I thought he was, was quietly excellent on Saturday uh, after an excellent performance the week before because he plays with a maturity and a calmness that's very important in that role. Uh, he doesn't panic. He doesn't go chasing lost causes. He doesn't you know, have terrible tactical, positional and discipline the way that Ian Black does. And that's just because he's naturally a, a more gifted footballer. He's naturally blessed with more football intelligence and the likes of, of Ian Black in that role. And now, football's changed. Yeah. Football's changed since we started. A great example, of course, is Kyle Hutton, who won't make it, in my opinion. Mm. I'm saying this, the listeners don't bombard us. I don't think Kyle Hutton will make it. I don't think they're going to bombard you <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Because football's changing. Except Everybody with maybe agreement and offers to raise money for a taxi forum. <laughs> Every midfielder now at the top clubs in Europe, as you know, has to fulfil a variety of roles. They're all pretty fast, they've all got a great first touch, and everyone has to be able to pass the ball after a fashion. Hmm. Even the deep line players, even the ones playing in number 10. Andy Murdoch is simply more suited, as you say, because he's a better footballer. The likes of Kyle Hutton, that's almost come back over 10 years. Do you remember the so called Makalele? Hmm. Nobody plays that way when you've got a slow player who's not really got a range of passing who ambles around occasionally slide tackling someone. Mm. There's no call for that. He's not dynamic enough. He doesn't turn defence into attack quickly enough. And that is exposed, as you say, when you play other players. And Black and Hutton are almost a throwback to a type of football that's not being played. Most teams don't have these screening players who don't do anything else but stand in front of the defence. Mm-hmm. And, and block runs that's yeah it, it just yeah. doesn't exist the position has evolved and the players playing in the hole has evolved massively if you if you try that now it's just not going to work um, no. uh, yeah I go back to you, you know go back to the start of the season when we had these guys in the side and it was so often one of them would just charge out of position and the other team would put the ball in behind them and have a run on the defence which included Lee McCulloch and we'd lose goals because we were so deep you know the guys could have a, a shot or slip a pass through quite yeah. easily Murdoch wins the ball, turns round, passes it forward. Very often, very often, quite short passes, but always forward, always looking to get on the front foot. If he can't, he turns back and retains possession because that's just <laughs> that's just common sense. Yeah. But his first instinct is win it. What can I do with it? Um, as opposed to win it and have no idea with it. And if I don't win it, I have to go chasing after it. So it was it was all good to see. That's the future. The future of our young players, and I can tell them all now. See anyone listen? From under 17s up, the only players that will make it with us 
as you've said, are more technical players. See people that can trap the ball, pass it, and shield it. The rest, see the way football's going. See the big, honest, strapping lads, and it bounces off the shin. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for them. Guys like Murdoch and Hardy, to an extent, you've got to be mobile, a bit of stamina, and definitely a touch. You have to be a decent footballer, no matter where midfield you're playing. Yeah, the days are numbered. Yeah, football is just moving too quickly. It's just evolving at all levels too quickly. And as you say, that the kind of throwback idea that, that Ali seemed to have in his head, you know, ridiculously old-fashioned ideas such as you just get players together. I mean, it was clear with, with the way he, he signed players that there was never any clue of how to fit pieces together. Um, and you could get away with that in Ali's heyday if, if the, the players had enough talent. But you, well, even then, you know, we would get into Europe and we would look like an absolute mess, an absolute minefield. And... Uh, it worked domestically but you know the guy was we spoke about it before he was an inexperienced dinosaur and it, and it came it came very clear Hearts uh, at the weekend um, a couple of weeks ago I think we would all have dreaded it now while accepting that we have to be honest and say that they're the favourites based on performances a season we're not maybe dreading it quite as much as we would have been a few weeks ago no there's a wee bit of hope I think the hope lies in A Hearts have already won the league and no matter what anyone says, they will not be 100%. They'll be committed. I'm sure they want to win. My goodness, they're taking through, I think, 3,000 fans. But they're not. their players are not going to be as first to every ball as they were. There's no doubt about that. Once the league's won, we saw it years and years, remember? Nine mm-hmm. in a row. Yeah. We lost most of our games after we saw up the league title. It's just hard to switch on. Secondly, we're playing a lot better. A lot better than the last couple of times we played Hearts. It's like night and day. Thirdly, we're at home. And judging on ticket sales, will be about 40,000 there, maybe more. Mm. So we're an actual proper good old-fashioned ding-dong battle. And I think we could actually, if you go back to before McCall was appointed, I think we'd have taken a 1-2-0 or two defeat and just got the game over with. I actually think we'll win. Genuinely think we'll beat them 2-1. Yeah, I mean, I, I reckon we'll beat them. I, I think we'll we'll have enough about us this weekend. You, know, you never know with this Rangers side. I say it's, it's fragile progress. You know, we're still brittle. Our confidence is still brittle. But I do think that at least we've we've got uh, the ability now to to work hard enough to, to do what we need to do to, to get the victory. Before we move on to the Sporting Integrity Awards, uh, I know that you're uh, ready to burst forth with that. The off the field uh, nonsense is uh, dried up about, which is good. But uh, the annual, or oh, sorry, the 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 results, um, the six monthly results, not annual, came out, and uh, a few bombshells that that were hidden in the long grass, as we suspected. Uh, the the first one being that the club's auditors, Deloitte and Touche, actually quit uh, in mid two thousand and fourteen, uh, and they didn't think to tell anyone. And uh, secondly, I think the the thing that's caught most people's attention was the fact that, of course, the Newcastle loanees um, weren't given a medical and uh, you know two of them have fairly serious conditions, which has, has ruled them out. Uh, but even had they all played, that if Rangers are to go up this season, it's going to cost us half a million pounds uh, in terms of payment to Newcastle. Now, this is not promotion to the EPL, you know where you've you got your ninety million, so it's speculate to accumulate money. This is promotion to the SPFL, where I'm not entirely sure what the prize money is for winning the damn thing, but it's certainly not significantly more than half a million. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So, is there any justifiable reason for that clause to have been inserted? There is a justifiable reason 
if you were perhaps a beep 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 and hopefully the police will get called to sort that out well that's unequivocal um, I have seen some some people saying oh you know the, the new board they're, they're not doing much and then you think it's a bit like that bit in Monty Python isn't it the new board like, what have they done for us well you know they've, <laughs> they've uh, brought in a new manager they've brought in new directors they've got rid of the spivs the, I noticed on Saturday that they'd painted the club deck um, various you things also what it must be like for them going through all this shit and can I, another thing just before we move on from that do you not think it's a bit almost deliberate but in the stovies from, from that former board when we sold our best player and probably the brightest prospect we've had in years mm-hmm. and almost all of the money from his sale almost all of it was earmarked to go to Newcastle United for a random grab bag of players who weren't fit yeah oh, that, I, it's simply defi- 750 grand we got 500k of that was earmarked to give back to it's just unbelievable it's almost deliberately it's almost like they hoped we found out so they could give us the middle finger it, it's like having evicted the tenants from hell and while you're glad that they've done it you've still got a massive clean up job because the filthy beggars have done a shit in every room in the house before they've left pissed yes. on the carpets and wiped their knobs on the curtains that's what this is the equivalent of yep to use a to, to use a particularly grim metaphor. Okay, no, well, uh, yeah, quite an upbeat start to the pod, and uh, we'll ruin all that good feeling now by doing this week's Sporting Integrity Award. Sporting Integrity Awards when we look around the world of football and see who has made the biggest dick of themselves over the past seven days. It's named in honour of the concept of Sporting Integrity. Do you remember it? It was a, a few years ago now, but I'm sure you'll hear more about it this time next season. Scott? Yes? What have you got for me? Well, I've got a few things. The first one, I'm suspicious about, OK? I'll explain what happened, I'll tell the story as usual, but then I'll, I'll release a name, OK? That, that, to me, alarm bells are ringing, David, okay? Okay. On a personal level, for somebody we know, okay? Now, the potentially insane Blackburn chairman, Carl Oyston... Blackpool, not Blackburn. Blackpool, sorry, Blackpool. Um, there's, there's debate raging as to whether he's got all his marbles. Again, he's one of these types of like the spivs that we just got rid of, where I think their fans can't decide whether... He's making mistakes through naivety. No, no, they have decided. Uh, I've got some friends with Blackpool fans. They think he's a scumbag. Who's giving them the middle finger? He knows that they know. Yeah. And he still, you know, he still does this stuff deliberately to them. Yes. That, that seems to be where we are now. Yes. But he's in charge with Football Association, okay? Uh-huh. Over mis- with misconduct following a text exchange with a Blackpool supporter, okay? Yes. Um, the Blackpool fan accused Oyster of being clueless and running the club into the ground to which the Football League board member now that's an irony he's on the, the board of the Football League replied are you sure we've met? I definitely have remembered meeting a retard oh right? he then sent him another message saying you're banned from Bloomfield Road never come back what you can do instead is go on a special needs day out with your spazzy pals <laughs> I didn't know Dingwall was <laughs> was allowed to run a football club no um, I know it's unbelievable but the name of this Blackpool fan was Stephen Smith. Yes. Now, can it be? 
Well, it actually could be because uh, Stephen Smith lived in Blackpool for many years and uh, has, has been. When I say I know Blackpool fans, it's, it's through Stephen. So yes. it, it could be, but we'd have heard about it, let's be honest, if it was our uh, friend Stephen Smith. We should point out that it's not Stephen Smith, the fullback. No, it isn't. It, uh, it's Stephen Smith, the former trust chairman and uh, occasional guest on this pod. Uh, he's not a very nice man, Carol Oyston, and people, if you, given what we've gone through, if you can go and check that out online, go and see what the, the Blackpool fans are, are having to put up with and give them your support if you can, because he's a dreadful man and uh, he's ruining a, a very good community football club, deliberately. Uh, he, some of his best ones are in the past. For instance, when they sold players, you may recall that they uh, sold Charlie Adam for a lot of money. Uh, the money didn't find its way necessarily all into the club and I'm not going to say any because you can afford better lawyers than me because of things like this but uh, he's, he's really not a very savoury character yeah. and we know better than most clubs what that can be like exactly so, so if you can give your support online to Blackpool fans uh, go and do that would be a good thing to do guys respect um, you'll remember David last year Zimbabwean FA's President Cuthbert Dub. remember? I do remember Cuthbert Dub. Yep, he decided to fix the financial problems by uh, saying we're going to diversify into cattle ranching and farming. There's no way this can ever fail. No, I can't fail. How can that fail? It failed. Did it right. fail? Ah, right. It did fail, yeah. So, the latest thing... But who could have saw that coming? A football association I, running its own cattle business? I mean, to be honest, it's legendary. I mean, most FAs now have got a cattle ranch and crop farm. Of course. Almost, almost all of them. Um, I just feel sorry Zimbabwe's was the first one to fail um, now Cuthbert has now said that there's a debt quagmire which is a great description okay? that's a great a phrase yeah quagmire and his latest thing to try and resolve part of this is they're selling off all of their office furniture ok there you go that's the latest thing to, for the debt um, quagmire they're selling all of their furniture he hasn't explained how they're going to work at the workstations yet but I presume there'll be a lot of standing up from staff well, that used to happen uh, in sales, uh, in the sales industry and in companies I used to work for, that you would stop uh, salespeople who hadn't sold from being allowed to sit down ah. un until they sold something, uh, until it was the practice was stopped uh, when it was found out to be humiliating to the people who hadn't sold anything. But then it's like being back at school, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's horrible. Companies that do that sort of shit are horrible companies. I mean, I, I didn't agree with it at the time, but you remember me at the time. I was, you know, full of pills, so didn't yeah, really you notice. Probably, like, probably didn't realise what was going on. No, I mean, if I, if I figured what day it was, I was generally considering that a score draw. Why are these people standing around? Yeah, what, what, what's going on? Are these my feet? Yeah, I'm off to the pub. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, now I've got two two good nice ones. I'll end with a, a, a cracker. But here's the one about. Do you remember the emperor Adriano? The father, the uh, Brazilian. Yes. Yes. The, the, the emperor who in the early twenties was genuinely people. People will never remember this, but he was the natural heir to Fat Ronaldo. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was brilliant. He was brilliant, right? But it didn't work out from for a variety of reasons. Okay. One of the which was one, the fact that he was enormous. Yes, basically the party yeah. lifestyle was the main reason he liked playing football but it was a distant second yeah. to enjoying himself shall we say absolutely yeah. and the great Brazilian tradition and they, exactly they like a party don't they they so do he was to, he waxed lyrical about 
he moved to France, okay? And I think I think it maybe was there in the second division, but he moved to France to plan a comeback of sorts in Europe and to give himself and he he waxed lyrical at the time in the Brazilian press about lifestyle changes and focusing on football and finally having a little bit of an Indian summer just to so people remember him as a footballer not just as a party animal mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago he spent 18,000 euros on prostitutes okay for a party at a motel with some musician friends who happened to be in town <laughs> so I'm not going so well so far in the lifestyle change no. as of yet 18,000 so, 18, euros on, on hookers yeah. It's the price of three lap dances in Glasgow. <laughs> so, Edano's plans for lifestyle change are on hold from what we at the moment. Okay, And I'm going to end brilliantly with some, some... It's not really brilliantly, David. This is sexism, OK? We cannot advocate this. We have got some bitches listening to this pod as well, don't we? Yeah. And um, in between cooking and cleaning and looking after their husbands... Oh, did you I, mean... I, I thought you meant more in the sort of prison bitch uh, use of the word. No, birds. Birds, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You would be some listen to us, I'm sure, when they're allowed to. You reckon? Um, yeah, and this is about... Um, Who's the making their man's tea then? Exactly, well, that's the thing. Maybe they can do both with headphones. Women can do two things at once, I've, I've, I've heard that, and I've certainly seen a few movies where women yeah. are doing several things at once. Well, I got a postcard once from a friend who was in a stag break in Amsterdam. Yes. And it emerged later that it hadn't been written with her hand no no see no. I couldn't do that multitasking if you were to insert a pen into me and say go yeah. and write I don't think I could you couldn't and that just shows us men up really it does it does now um, a club in Spain called UD Tesorio mm-hmm. UD Tesorio were fined by the Spanish FA okay for the sexual harassment of, of assistant referee Laura Jimenez okay this started with one of the players sexually harassed her right. and, said, and said that she shouldn't be running the line, she should be scissoring other women. <laughs> yeah. She then says that many of the club's officials and, and were hissing at her and making cat calls and lewd comments but she couldn't quite make them all out. Right. So this is brilliant. The fans then, and I like this you see, right? The first, time, the first chant the fans did was go mop the floor, go mop our floor, right? Okay. But this one's good, and it obviously rhymed in Spanish too, but this is the rhyming sort of translation of what they sang at, okay? Right. Put down your flag. When you hold a stick, it should be a mop or a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's appalling. I'm appalled. I'm appalled. Yeah, I really laughed on it. Yeah, I know. I'm a member of the Labour Party, Scott. I'm not supposed to laugh at stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm out there campaigning for equal rights and shit. Exactly. So... But what we can tell the listeners, of course, is that David and I are laughing ironically. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're not. We certainly didn't find that funny. We're, we're both appalled. We, we actually laughed because if you don't laugh, you cry. Exactly. We laughed at inhumanity. Yeah, that's exactly what we laughed at. No, no, no. To be fair, though, it's a good rhyme. I mean, to, to, off the cuff. Yeah. It's it's not bad, is it? It's not bad for a set of fans who just made that up. And I think, fair, no, 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 not fair play to them. No, uh, no. I'm no sexist fan. The opposite of that. Uh, well, the other winner um, this week, we'll call it the Richard Keys Sporting Integrity Award. So, congratulations, guys, uh, for your horribly offensive chant. You've won this week's Sporting Integrity Award. This is about it 
for this week on the old heart and hand a couple of uh, lines that we got from the listeners about the last weekend uh, Graham Duncan Mosney apart that was the most positive performance I've seen for a long time McCall certainly installed some confidence in them that's for sure Kev Armstrong a month ago we would have dropped points in the game like today now we look fitter more interested more determined Stuart Renfrew really enjoyed that today we look like a team again Gordon Bell let's not forget the work Kenny Black has done given he took the team in training all week I didn't know that that's fair enough um, Rich Ferguson if McCall gets us promoted I'll be happy with that I think we would all agree with that uh, Jamie Potter still early days to be getting excited but I think a good result and a boost to the team's confidence Rav Scott really enjoyable to watch today we actually look good again apart from Mosney I'm seeing a theme here yes. developing Scott and uh, we'll leave the, the last word this week to Craig Burrows. Footballers are employees like the rest of us. Working in a positive environment after the boardroom change is always going to help. Well, Stuart McCall deserves a lot of credit. The Three Bears and DK, which I presume means uh, Dave King, also deserve a lot of credit as well. Right? Fantastic. Uh, and one from our, our line, Dave McMullen, uh, our, our friend, the mad curly-haired Tory Loon, Dave McMullen, he says, uh, based on something you said last week in the pod, representable confusion has befallen me at last orders on a number of confusion uh, occasions. Yes, well, that's true. No, very much that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's all, all good stuff. Nice to hear everyone's upbeat and positive. We feel the same. And if you want to tell us that you don't feel upbeat and positive, and, in fact, we're talking out of our arse, you can do so. You can do so by visiting us on uh, Heart and Hand on Facebook, just Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast on Facebook. You can email us at uh, ibroxrocks, R-O-C-K-S, at playbackmedia.co.uk, or you can follow us, ibroxrocks, uh, on the Twitter, or Scott Heart Hand. That's Scott Harthand or Ibrox Rocks on the Twitter machine. All that remains for me to do this week is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee, Mr. Paul Miles, our sound engineers, Mr. Stephen Arnoldi and Mr. Charlie Ashworth. And of course, my guest, the delightful, the delightful, the wonderful, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Scott Vandenacker. Always a pleasure to be a pod underling. Yes, always. yes, and indeed. Some people some people aspire to that. Mm-hmm. Not anyone I'm not I know. I'm not to be, no. but I'm higher than most people. Yeah, that's week. a good point. My name's Eve Edgar, I'm your host, and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers, bye. This is a Playback Media production. Guess all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.